The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on the spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you on your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. Today's episode is titled Staying in Balance. The fifth tradition tells us that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. When we first get into recovery, we learn we need to focus on ourselves in order to heal and grow. But we quickly find that being of service to others is an essential part of our own healing. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on balancing self and other in a healthy way as an ongoing part of a successful recovery journey. Wow, this is such a great topic. Balancing, wait, what did it, balancing self and other. I love that. So it's it's not a secret that we tend to be a little bit of a self-centered bunch. Um, (laughs) I know I am very self, okay, so what does self-centered mean, right? Sometimes we think that self-centered means that we think highly of ourselves, but I think that actually it can be the opposite. It can be that we don't think very highly of ourselves and we have a lot of shame issues and self-esteem issues and, um, and such. And so it requires a lot of focus on self just to function. We were talking about this a little bit before the show that it's like, I don't focus on myself because I want to, I focus on myself because it requires a lot of focus just to keep this thing going, you know, to keep myself sort of upright and functioning. And so one of the ways that I've heard this 
this described, and this this sounds horrible, but this this combination of self-centeredness but also low self-esteem is that so many of us feel like we are the piece of garbage that the world revolves around. Yeah. The first time I heard that in a meeting, I was like, that's me. And, and it's not that I would say like, oh yeah, I'm a piece of garbage. You know, I would never say that consciously, but there's those internalized um, negative self-beliefs, right? And yet at the same time, you know, feeling like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like I say, it's not a, it's, it's a self-centeredness that I think is a coping mechanism, you know, that um, gets developed at a really young age. I think for me, it did focusing on myself for survival, really just to try to keep, keep it all together. Um, I think that if you're, if you're highly functioning and you're, you know, emotionally and psychologically stable, then you're freed up to sort of focus on other things. But when you're just trying to manage yourself on a daily basis and get through things, then it can end up looking like you really don't care about anybody else. So this is a journey. This is a real journey. Um, the more that I become emotionally healthy, the more of that time and energy is freed up to then be in service to others. Yeah, I have, I have similar experiences and um, I guess the, you know, if I were to try and say, how, how did, how did I get this way? What you described, I think is a pretty reasonable, um, you know, solution or theory to that, that we at a young age, for whatever reason, get the idea that, um, you know, things are not safe. Yes. And so we have to focus only on ourselves in order to be safe. And then once that, habit takes hold it kind of stays there you know you yeah. you start to say you know does does that mean that we think very highly of ourselves but then sometimes we think very lowly of ourselves what i think is we think mostly of ourselves <laughs> whether it's seemingly positive or negative it's it's still that's um, funny what's that the holy trinity me myself and i right yeah when we get started but i'm reminded of that phrase from recovery literature that talks about a hundred forms of fear, self-centeredness driven oh, by a yes. hundred forms of fear. Yes. And I found that really helpful when I first encountered that idea early in recovery, I found it super helpful. It's like, Oh, it, okay. So what that told me was that there's a way forward. There's a solution here. I'm not stuck in this box forever. If I'm like this, because I have fears, then I can look at those fears and heal those things over time. Um, once I can kind of see them and name them, that's mo most recently how I've come to think of it. I can heal something uh, or, or something within me can be healed, but only if I can see it and name it yeah. and then talk about it too. That's actually a, a critical piece of it all for me. So yeah, self-centeredness driven by a hundred forms of fear, fear of not, you know, not feeling safe, of not having enough, of not having the ability to do this or that kind of, you know, being incapable or helpless or powerless or whatever. 
We are fragile beings. That's for sure. Our bodies yes. are quite fragile. All you have to do is like fall 20 feet and you could die easily. <laughs> I, know, I prefer to not think about how fragile we are sometimes. We're, we're pretty fragile. You know, even we're hurtling down the highway in these metal boxes at a breakneck oh, speed. Like, yes. No, oh, yes. If you hit something, our body, not strong. No. Like and yet in other ways, of... we're so strong and resilient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's both. True. Yep. Yeah, that helped me clarify what I was trying to say when you said about the being driven by a hundred forms of fear, because I guess that's what I was trying to say is it's a self-centeredness based on fear and insecurity rather than a self-centeredness based on arrogance. Not to say that we don't have arrogance as well, but I think that's a different process. You know, I think fear underlies all of it. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. I know that's one thing I think I um, remember really learning in in um, recovery is that fear is really the basis of all our problems. And everyone has fear. It's just we have particular types of um, fears that <clears throat> cause certain types of behaviors. But that fear is really like if you um, if you peel away the layers of all the other stuff, you, you always it always um, comes down to a common denominator of fear that sort of underlies yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. And that's an awareness. That's something that we can learn, right? Because if we don't know that, then we think we're acting out of something else. But when we start doing the work of recovery, which is really a process of self, um, self-awareness and getting to know ourselves and understand what drives us and what causes us to do certain things, then we start to see that, you know, I'm really actually acting out of fear. Like you said, if we can name it and we can see what it is, okay, now I can start to look at why am I so afraid? But if I don't take the time to peel those layers away and see that fear is really what's underneath it, then I'm sort of just stuck, you know, working on the surface of things, which is not where the real issue is. So um, that's part of, so uh, we're, we're talking today about wisdom and um, I'm going to go ahead just in, so a, a working definition of wisdom is to be able to discern, evaluate, and apply what you know. So for me, the key word here is discern. You know, um, in recovery, we learn to build our powers of discernment you know, when we're, when we're drinking and using or active in our addiction, there's not a lot of discerning or discernment going on. There's a lot of sort of just trying to manage our behavior, right? Trying to, trying to do our addiction and have it cause the least amount of problems for us. Yeah. It's like <laughs> takes, crisis management mode. Yeah. Yeah. And we're in that all the time. So there's no energy left for discerning. There's not a lot of clear thinking, um, so that power of wisdom, that ability to discern, to, to begin to see what's really going on here, you know, really to me, that's kind of the whole deal of what recovery is about is, is getting that um, self-awareness on board, starting to see, okay, this, this is fear that I'm acting out of, you know, and what am I afraid of and why am I so afraid? And, um, you know, that's a lot more effective to work on the root cause of things than to be working on the surface of the, the symptoms of things. So I think that that discernment is um, so important. And, and it comes, you know, first of all, from sobriety, we've got to be sober from whatever yes. the active addiction is first, so Absolutely. that we can begin to have clear thinking. And like I say, have the freed up time and energy to even be able to begin to discern and to, um, 
yeah, to, to begin to see what's really going on and to begin to understand ourselves. Yeah, nothing changes until, uh, you know, if, if the if the addiction is alcohol, which is my experience, nothing changes until we, as we say, put the plug in the jug. You, you have to do that. I had to do that first. Thing, first. Yeah. Yeah. On, only then, then that creates an opportunity for other things to happen. No guarantees, because I still have to show up and, and do the work and learn the tools and be willing and et cetera, right. et cetera you know, honest and open-minded and, and willing, you know, when we talked about wisdom, that phrase from the serenity prayer jumps to mind, the wisdom to know the difference, Mm. you know, the difference between that, which I have no control over, which I would like to just be able to let go of and that, which I do have control over. And in which case I, I would like the courage to take action, yeah. If I choose to, I mean, I, I guess I could look at something and say, um, I could take action, but I don't want to. That's fine. As long as I'm making a conscious decision, mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable. But where I know I and many of us beat our head against the wall is the things that we have no control over, yeah. kind of railing against those, also known as often as complaining, right? And mm-hmm. complaining about the weather is like the textbook example of futility <laughs> which i was just doing five minutes ago <laughs> complaining about the weather it, you we literally have no power over the weather i only have power over my response to the yeah. weather so if it's raining what i want to do is bring an umbrella and everything's cool <laughs> i used i lived in michigan for many years it gets very very cold in the winter in Michigan, which is only a problem if I'm not dressed for it. If I'm dressed <laughs> for it, it's actually no problem at all. I'm perfectly warm all the time. But you have to respond to the weather and not, you know, expect the weather to respond to you. I had a, a girlfriend years and years ago who um, would wear shorts when she wanted it to be warm, not when it was warm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. I don't I don't think that's going to change the weather, but the wisdom <laughs> to know the difference. Yes. The what is the and we're talking about the spiritual power of wisdom. So let's mention the unity's yeah. 12 powers framework of which wisdom is one of them. And as we always say, these are spiritual abilities that we all have that we're all using all the time. Our task is to become aware of how we're using them so that we can have the power to choose how to use them. We want to be using our wisdom and our other abilities in skillful ways, not in unskillful ways. So if I'm using wisdom in a skillful way, I am able to evaluate and discern and choose and apply what I know. And that's essential along the way in a recovery journey. And the good news is uh, the, the longer, you know, as I keep putting one foot in front of the other on this path, my ability to use wisdom in a skillful manner increases over time. Mm-hmm. It just does. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to fix it. I just have to show up and use it. It's sort of like a muscle, I guess, and mm-hmm. learn from others around me. You know, yeah. the deal, the, yeah. the usual stuff, it yeah. works. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like you said, getting um, clean or sober, or whatever it is from the active addiction is the very first step. None of this can be done while that active addiction is still in place because that's what clouds our ability to discern in the first place. So that's the very beginning. But then how do we, so where does this wisdom come from? I think it's important, you know, because the recovery is a spiritual program. It's not about us figuring everything out. It's not about, you know, us suddenly knowing how to do everything because that's not going to happen. I mean, it's, it's about um, developing, you know, contact with the God of our own understanding and realizing that that God is the source of all wisdom. Divine mind is the source of all wisdom. And we have a direct portal to that. So we have to learn to tap into that. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So, you know, it's sort of, it depends on whether we're talking about our self with a small s self or our capital S higher self, right? So my small s self does not have the wisdom of the universe in it. It does not. My higher self has access to that source, which is all wisdom. So the more that I develop that connection to God, that connection to source, the more I can begin to access that wisdom. So how do I do that? So time spent communing with God, however that looks for me, prayer, meditation, time spent in the quiet, um, doesn't even have to be, you know, by myself, it can be in prayer groups, or it can be in a 12 step meeting or in a church service or whatever it is, but um, beginning to uh, develop my ability to tap into that wisdom of God. And that's where that's where I get it from. That's where the, the ability to discern comes from. So just, you know, trying to clarify that it's not, I want to say it's not that it's in me, but it is in me, but it's not in small me. It's in right. my higher self. It's, it's hard to, sometimes a little confusing to explain, but um, because that's the gist of recovery, right? Is realizing that I in and of myself can do nothing, but I, you know, when connected to source can do everything. All things, right. Yeah. All with God, all things are possible. Right. I want to share from the book of James being a Bible nerd. And as we yes. sometimes acknowledge that we are team Jesus here. Yes. Um, from, from the book of James chapter one, verse five says, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, Ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. Let's yeah. say it might be given you, it will be given you. Mm-hmm. And I love those particular adjectives, uh, those that are describing God's giving generously and mm-hmm. ungrudgingly. Ungrudgingly yeah. means to me no strings attached. Yeah. This is, this is not a wisdom plus a, a, a dose of guilt to go along with it. You know, right, it's, right. it's ungrudging, no strings attached. I've heard it said that a gift with strings attached is not a gift. It's a bribe, yeah. right? Yeah. God does not bribe us Mm-mm. 
God gives generously with no strings attached. It's it's yes. the same as the concept of grace. And it is available to us. And I love it that we see it in this ancient um, spiritual literature here, the book of James. How cool yeah. is that? It was yes. true then. It was true before then. It's true now. Yeah. And it's exactly as you're saying. I see it the same way. Um, you know, it's kind of our unity way of seeing the divine is that the divine is present everywhere, always, including within ourselves. And so as we turn within in prayer, we can commune with it. And my small lowercase m mind can become more open to the divine mind that is present. And it basically acts as an instructor, teacher, guide, healer, all of the above right? Um, for us. So I love that about it we we have access to all the wisdom that we could ever need yes i know that i just had to learn how to stop blocking it basically yeah yeah exactly so it becomes about our ability to access it like you said this this all the wisdom of the universe is available to us it's our ability to start accessing it and when we do um start to so so what is that so let's talk in really practical terms. For me, this looked like, um, you know, before I would make a decision, I would pray about it. I would ask for guidance. I would affirm that, you know, that God's wisdom in me was going to guide me to the best and perfect choice, the best and perfect decision, my highest good, etc. So I would start to do that before I made decisions, you know, and, um, and, you know, the unity method of prayer is, um, well, there's a lot of various pieces to it, but um, in addition to the verbal part of affirming, um, we also spend time in the silence, whether that's 30 seconds or 20 minutes, we, we begin to cultivate that into our daily lives, having some time in the quiet, because the quiet is where we can access that which is not of my human ego mind, yeah, right? The yeah. human ego mind is so loud and so noisy because it's trying very hard to take care of us and preserve us all the time. So um, it takes an awful lot for me to be able to even hear anything beyond my own ego mind, you know? So I have to cultivate that. I have to spend time doing that each and every day so that 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 place becomes more accessible to me. And the great thing is it's, you said something about a muscle. It is like a muscle also that the more we, the more we practice it and the more we work at it, the stronger our ability to access that place gets. So then it becomes easier and easier and we can access deeper and deeper levels of it. Um, When we start to develop that ability and we find that we are knowing what to do without knowing how we knew that kind of thing, we call that intuition. But intuition is really tapping into the divine within. Yeah. So um, we begin to see that um, our human ego mind may not know the answer, but the higher self within, the divine within does know the answer. And we cultivate our ability to know from that place and to discern from that place and to make decisions from that place. You know, I, I don't know. All I know is when I started living that way, things got a heck of a lot better very quickly. That's basically the nitty gritty of it. You know, I used to just think that I had to figure everything out myself. And uh, that was pretty hard. 
you know, that's pretty stressful. When I started turning each and everything in my life over to the God of my understanding and seeking the wisdom of that power in every decision I made in my life, my life totally turned around. And I think you probably had a similar experience. I did. And, you know, as you share that, I'm reminded of this wonderful quote from uh, Unity Minister and Prosperity Teacher Catherine Ponder, because I'm, I'm thinking about this this question that you and I asked each other, how did wisdom help me move from self-centeredness to a balanced life? Mm -hmm. And Catherine Ponder, and this is in the form of an affirmation, she says, there is a divine solution to this situation. The divine solution is the sublime solution. Mm -hmm. I give thanks that the divine solution quickly appears now. Ooh, so that, ag that. <laughs> acknowledging acknowledging exactly what you were saying that the wisdom is present and i'm just going to take a breath and affirm mm -hmm. something like exactly like that or along mm -hmm. those lines mm -hmm. which helps me know that okay maybe what i need to do is kind of get out of the way yeah. meaning i need to just take a breath and allow this path forward to become clear to me rather than trying to figure it out yes. I, i'm exactly like you i have to do had to do everything myself yeah um, before i um, learned the spiritual set of tools that is now at the very center of my everything about my life um and that question how did wisdom help me move from self-centeredness to a balanced life most broadly for me the answer is by giving me something other than fear to live from yeah and that right? is the spirit the god presence the christ consciousness that is within us all that always has been within us all and um the way i look at it i think the way we look at it is it's a it's a program of discovery of that mm-hmm and letting that come forward and in a sense um, ceasing to block it, even though I never would have thought or said I was blocking anything. Didn't make any sense at all. Right. Only only now can I look back and see, okay, I was kind of, like you said, my mind is so fearful that it's so filled up with me that right. I can't hear anything else. Exactly. And then it takes practice. It takes yes. practice to hear something other than my own my own mind chatter that I was totally convinced was the only way I was going to survive. I like yeah, this way better. I, <laughs> I like this way better. Yeah. And you know, both of us, we've been doing this for a minute as the young people say, we've been doing this for a while now and we still have to work at it. Right. Like I have to really work at this. My yeah. ego is perfectly ready and willing to jump in and take over anytime I am less than vigilant, you yeah. know, which yeah. is a lot of the time because I'm busy making dinner for my kid and doing the laundry and trying to take care of everything. And the ego's like, oh, she's not paying attention. <laughs> let's get back in there. Let's take yeah. over again, you know? So this is something we have to work at every day for the rest of our lives, you know, really. I mean, it's not like I'm going to become the Dalai Lama. It's just not going to happen. Right. And I'm driving uh, down the highway trying to teach everyone how to drive properly through my program that I like to call uh, resentment and uh, uh, <laughs> self-righteous indignation. Come on, people. And that's my ego taking over. In our show for what we call recovery in a nutshell. This is when we try to summarize the various pieces of all that we've just shared, the ones that we found most helpful on our recovery journey. So Reverend Michelle, in a nutshell, if someone came to you and said, how can I balance doing my inner work 
with being of service to others at the same time, those seem like opposite things. How can I do that? Yeah. So I hate to sound like a broken record, but it, it all comes for me, it all comes down to my connection with the higher power. You know, we have the Bible verse, seek ye first the kingdom, right? Yeah, so yeah. I have to seek God first in everything. So I have to see that my relationship with God is right, meaning that I'm in touch on a daily basis, that I'm spending at least a few minutes every day in prayer and meditation, that I'm seeking God's guidance in all things. And when I start to live that way, things get easier. And then the energy that it takes just to get through the day, some of that is freed up and I can use that energy to begin to be of service to others. Even if it's just showing up at a meeting and saying, look, this is what I'm doing and this is what's working in my life, that's being in service to others. That helps others. So as we um, develop this relationship with the higher power and we learn to seek that wisdom in all things, um, I think balance begins to come naturally into life. Yeah, my thoughts about it were just first to relax and breathe, because as I ask myself that question, I can feel sort of the tension and fear in it. And so step one, just take a deep breath and know that there, there's a way forward and, and, and all is well, and we're on a path of discovery. And one day at a time, that saying comes to mind. Don't try to do everything all at once. You don't need to. Just breathe, inhale and exhale. It's a simple cycle, inhale and exhale. And then I recognize that, well, that's how I, that's how I balance things. I do inner work, kind of like the inhale part. I'll do my inner work and then alternate with exhale step out in service in the world even if it's just a little thing like you said right. going to a meeting making the coffee is always the great example mm -hmm. of an act of service I, I don't have to save the world you know i don't have to um, become the dalai lama and then become mother Teresa. you know that's not what <laughs> this is about just one day at a time one breath at a time it's all going to be fine just keep showing up suit up and show up and and do the work or as i like to say it's it's the it's contained in the timeless wisdom of the shampoo bottle right i do my inner work i step up in service repeat wash rinse repeat yes words sounds, to live by sounds like a good plan well as always we have an affirmation for you and today our affirmation is this i am divinely inspired and guided in all my ways once again, I'm divinely inspired and guided in all my ways. That's that inner wisdom that we're talking about. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another episode of Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful. We, we hope you think of it that way. If you don't, don't tell us. <laughs> we hope you found something in all of our driveling today that you find genuinely helpful. I don't know if you were driveling. I was definitely driveling. We, <laughs> And we bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. I'm always driveling. <laughs> As always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or you can email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And please help us carry the message to others by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. We're so glad that you joined us today, and we hope you'll join us again. Until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. It did not work. It, didn't, it was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I could say the same about myself. 
instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.